0: إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من الله فلا مضل له ومن فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد. So today then in the guide to sound creed Al-Irshad ila sahih al-i'tiqad we're on the chapter where al al Fawzan Hafidahullahu ta'ala mentions umorun yaf'aluha ba'adhu annaas wa hiya min shirk aw min wasa'ili. some of the things that some people do which is actually shirk or from the means to shirk. He's going to discuss here now some of the things that people do which are actions of shirk or they are means to shirk, they lead to shirk. He says هناك بين شرك الأكبر الأصغر that there are some things which fluctuate between being major shirk or minor shirk in accordance to what is in the heart of the one who does them because depending on what you believe in your heart a particular action may be considered major shirk or it could be minor shirk And Depending On The Exact Actions That You Do And The Exact Types Of Statements That You Make And Some People They Fall Into These Types Of Things They Fall Into Some Of These Statements And Actions Which Are Considered Shirk And These Kinds Of Affairs They May Well go against and contradict the aqidah of a person. So that is a brief introduction, and in this section the Shaykh is going to go through a list of things which are haram actions and impermissible, and can be considered shirk. The first one is لُبْسُ الحلقة وَالْخَيْطُ وَنَحْوِهِمَا Bi bala aw Wearing rings or strings, bands and strings or something similar to them, various strings or bands or necklaces that people wear with the intention that these items will take away the calamity that has befallen them. Or it will push away and prevent any calamity from coming to them. So some people wear what you might call these days lucky charms. People wear certain types of bands, certain types of bracelets, certain types of necklaces, rings. All of these items they believe will help them to remove harm from themselves. Or to uh, uh, prevent harm coming to them wadhalik min fa'l and this type of action wearing these types of things it is from the actions of jahiliyya wa huwa min al-shirk al-asghar and it is from the minor shirk wa qad yatarqa ila darajat al-shirk al-akbar And even though this is from the minor shirk, wearing these items, believing they'll remove the harm from you and prevent the harm, etc. It can escalate, it can become greater, it can rise up to becoming major shirk. It can escalate and become higher and rise up to a level where it becomes major shirk. And that will be dependent on the belief of the person wearing these items. Depending on the belief of the person wearing these items, it will be minor shirk or major shirk. So there is an example. Imran ibn Husayn ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم را رجلا في يده حلقة من صفر من صفر فقال ما هذا قال من الواهنه فقال انزعها فانها لا تزيدك الا وهنا فانك لا مت وهي عليك ما أفلحت أبدا. in this narration it mentions that the messenger of Allah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Saw a man wearing a band upon his hand. What's the word they use? Bracelet. Uh A bracelet upon his hand. Made of sufr. Sufr is a material like copper. They say what? Huh? A band or a bracelet made of. No, the bracelet, it is made of what? They don't translate it? No, the halqa means sufr. It is a type of material like copper. So the Prophet said to him, What's this? The man said, It is due to al Meaning a weakness in his hand. He had a type of weakness in his hand, an illness in his hand. So he was wearing this bracelet, believing that this bracelet removes that illness and that disease and that weakness from him. Al-Wahina. Brass. Aha, uh-huh, brass. So it was a bracelet made of brass. And so the Prophet sallallahu asked him, what is this? The man said it is due to al-wahina. Al-wahina meaning a weakness in his hand that he had some weakness in his hand. And he thought this bracelet made of brass, if he wore it, it would strengthen his hand and remove that weakness from it. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, In za'ha, strip it off. In za'ha doesn't just mean remove it. It means strip it off get rid of it ie remove it with speed and force quickly get rid of it because it does not increase you except in weakness it makes you even more weaker it's not curing your weakness in your hand it is increasing your weakness within you how so Because the person is now dependent upon this brass bracelet, dependent on it, believing it's going to help him. He's becoming weaker and weaker in his tawakkul in Allah. And instead, depending on this brass bracelet, so he, in essence, in his heart is becoming weaker and this whole concept is making him weaker, not stronger. And then the Prophet said to him, فَإِنَّكَ لَوْ عَلَيْكَ مَا أَفْلِحْتَ That if you die whilst wearing this brass bracelet, then you will never be successful. You will never be successful if you die wearing this brass bracelet, believing that it's preventing harm from you, removing that weakness from you then you'll never be successful. So that is one example where the Prophet ﷺ saw this man wearing this bracelet and he thought the bracelet had some ability to help in his cure, to help in the cure of his hand, to remove the weakness from his hand. And the Prophet ﷺ told him, strip it off, get rid of it. Because if you die wearing that, with your belief in that, then you will never be successful. Then, تعليق tama'im. Wearing certain types of tamaim In English, they call them hmm? amulets. Amulets. Amulets, like things which you put on a necklace, those kinds of amulets. So wearing these amulets, وَهِيَ كانت الْعَرَبِ تُعَلِّقُهَا عَلَىٰ أَوْلَادِهَا يَتَّقُونَ بِهَا الْعَيْنِ These amulets, the Arabs, they used to put them onto their children. Believing that these amulets will protect their children. They used to put them onto their children. Believing that they will protect their children from the evil eye. And that they will fulfill the needs and the affairs of their children. That is what they used to believe. But it's mentioned in a narration that whomsoever wears a tamimah then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not fulfill the affairs of that person. Allah will not fulfill the affairs of that individual. وَقَدْ تَكُونُ وَمِنْ خَرَزْ وَمِنْ وَغَيْرِ And these amulets, they can be different types. It might be something written in them. It might be made from certain uh, balls and beads put together. Different types of these amulets. And it is impermissible to wear those types of things believing that they will remove harm from you. Or that they will bring good to you. These necklaces and amulets. They don't have any power in them. You cannot believe that they will aid you or remove harm from you. That is shirk. But what if. This amulet. Has Quran written inside it. What if the amulet has Quran written inside of it. Hmm. You have your hand up? Go on. What an amulet? amulet? like a necklace. Some people they wear like a lucky charm. You know what? You said, know for instance, that it was um, uh, like a pendant. Yeah. Amulets are like a pendant. It's It's like a pendant. It's like a necklace. Some type of pendant or necklace that you wear. And people believe it's a good luck charm that if you wear it, then no harm will come to you and you'll be safe. So they believe it to be like a good luck charm. And it's like a pendant. It's like a necklace type of thing that some people wear. That's what's being mentioned here. It's haram to wear pendants believing that they are good luck pendants, that they are good luck charms. That they'll keep harm away from you. That's impermissible. So, it like a sign of allegiance? No, it's not about allegiance to anything. It's just a random pendant. They will wear a random pendant, a random type of necklace, and they might write something inside of it or put other things into it, but they just believe this pendant or this necklace is going to bring them good luck and it's going to keep harm away that is shirk though because then that means they are putting their trust they are putting their trust into this pendant into this necklace when in reality we've already discussed your trust has to be in allah but the question now is what if they've got a pendant an amulet which they've written quran inside if they've written like a piece of paper quran on it folded it all up and put it inside of that pendant. Can you wear that now and not allowed? Haram, huh? It's bid'ah. So, is it allowed or not? Not allowed, not allowed. Mm-hmm. It's allowed. So, it was allowed at the beginning and then Mansuq, y'ani? Yeah, yeah. So, a so, it used to be allowed and then it wasn't allowed. That's what you're saying. Qur'an, though. Qur'an. If it's got Qur'an in it, is it allowed or not? No, no. Here that it was allowed and then it wasn't allowed. Hmm. Hmm. الشيخ الفوزاني سيز وقد يكون المعلق من القرآن فإذا كان من القرآن فقد اختلف العلماء في جوازه وعدم جوازه والراجح عدم جوازه سدا للذريعه فإنه يفضي إلى تعليق غير القرآن so if it's got just Qur'an in it, just Quran, pure actual Qur'an, it is Quran. And that's all there is inside of that amulet, in that pendant. So some of the Salaf used to say, like Aisha radiallahu anha, that it is okay because it is purely Quran and the Quran is a cure it is a a cure for everything so if it is purely Quran some of them like Aisha said it's okay but did Aisha used to do it did Aisha wear this type of Tamima with the Quran no she didn't do it. Did any of the other Sahaba do it? None of the Sahaba did it. So none of the Sahaba, رضي الله عنهم, ever wore a pendant or amulet with Quran in it. Not even Aisha, رضي الله عنها, even though she said it's okay, but she never did it. Neither did any of the other companions. Other scholars, they say it is haram. Even if it is Quran. Because the narrations, all of the ahadith, they talk about the impermissibility of tama'im, of pendants, of amulets in general. And there is no narration that says, except Quran. There is no narration that says, all of the tama'im are haram, except if it is Quran. There is no narration specifying the general rule that Tama'im, impendence, etc. are impermissible. So now they will come along and they'll say, How can you tell us that the Quran is an exception? Where in the narrations does the Quran become an exception? Which narration does it tell you the Quran is an exception? You can do that. Not a single one. So they say, you can't just make this ruling and say the Quran is an exception. When the narrations are general, all of them are just telling you pendants, amulets, tama'im are all haram. Any, whether it's Quran or other than Quran, nothing is specified in the narration, so you have to leave it open. And that is the correct opinion. That is the best opinion and the correct opinion. On top of that, like we said, Aisha for example, said it's okay, but she never actually even did it though. She never did it, neither did any of the other companions do it. So it was hypothetically given as a ruling that it's allowed. It was never actually done. On top of that, if you do it, then there is a possibility of degrading the Qur'an. If you do that, then there is a possibility of degrading the Qur'an. Because if you put the, the, the uh, pendant, the necklace, the, the amulet, with Quran written on it onto a child then that child is going to walk into the bathroom and he's going to carry on wearing it he's not going to remember to take it off he's going to go play football and roll around in the field in the mud and he's got Quran on his neck there so it degrades the Quran too and on top of that when Aisha said it was okay that is upon the basis of correct aqidah That you know your Tawakkul is in Allah, not in this Tamima. But now the people who wear them, even if it's pure Quran, their Tawakkul is in this. If you take this off them, now they get scared. So for them, it's not about the correct aqidah; They don't have that anymore. They don't understand. So they can't use the example of Aisha If they have the aqidah of Aisha, then But when they don't have that And they don't understand what their Tawakkul in Allah is And their dependence actually starts ending up to be in this amulet And they get scared if they lose that pendant And they feel secure when they've got it Then that shows they don't have the understanding So the correct position is that it's not permissible at all There is a hadith of Ibn Mas'ud Radiallahu anhu uh, قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول ان الرقى والتمائم والتواله شرك رواه احمد وابو عن عقبه بن عامر مرفوعا من علقت ميمه فقد اشرك um, in these narrations they are general in highlighting the impermissibility of The uh, the incantations, the different types of recitations that they used to do, the amulets, the pendants, bracelets, what they believe brings husband and wife closer to each other. All of these, as we call them generally speaking, lucky charms. All of these types of things that they used to wear, believing that they'll remove harm or they'll bring good, all of them are mentioned in this narration as shirk. Doesn't make any exception if it's Quran, it's okay. It is general and open to all of them. In the other narration, مَنْ عَلَّقَ Whomsoever wears one of these tamaim, wears one of these amulets, pendants, then he's committed shirk. Doesn't say, except if it's from the Quran. So even the Quran, it is not permissible to wear. So that is the second type of shirk. The first was wearing bracelets and bands. The second was wearing these amulets, pendants, charms. The third now, at Tabarruk, bil Ashjar, wal Ahjar, wal aathar wal The seeking of Baraka, seeking of Baraka. Seeking blessings from the trees and the stones and from the what's left over, meaning the leftover. What word do they use? From the trees and the stones and the hmm? antiquities? Antiquities? Anybody? Antiquities, the Athar, what it means by the Athar, the antiquities, is for example, like you know the Sufis now, Oh, in fact, let me give you example I saw, I don't know if this one is true, but I saw this example you'll understand at least, they say the Sufis, they have this big imam who died, uh, Nazim, everybody knows that, when he died, there was somebody who posted on Facebook, that i am selling the wudu water of a Sheikh nasib and it was maybe what was it 200 pounds for one bottle or 300 pounds one bottle wudu water from Sheikh nasib when he was making wudu he collected the water collected the water when he made wudu he collected collected and now he's selling it 300 pounds one bottle allah i don't know if it is true but there was this post on the social media so now when he's making wudu and that water comes off, that is like the athar. That is one of the things. It has come from him and they believe there is barakah in it and that you can make millionaire for yourself from it. In another example, I saw another one, a BMW 5 series. MashaAllah, nice car. They said on the Facebook, this is the car, the guy who was selling it, he said, this is the car that Maulana." A sheikh, such and such big Sufi Imam, he sat in this car maybe five times or ten times. I gave him a lift to the mosque. This car, he sat inside it. So I'm selling this car for fifteen thousand, and it's worth maybe two thousand pounds, because the sheikh, the Maulana, he sat in this car, baraka in this car now. So this is one of the things that they talk about as well, seeking baraka in that way. It's like what they do as well now. Different forms of baraka when they go to make Umrah. And they go to the Kaaba. What's one of the things some people they do? They take some scissors and they cut a piece of the black cloth from the Kaaba. A piece of the black cloth, they cut it off and they bring it back. And they say, This is the cloth of the Kaaba, Barakah. Nothing. Some of them, when they go to Umrah or Hajj, and they go to Arafah, Arafah is it Mubarak? Is it something which is blessed? It is. They go and take their jaw and they get soil from Arafa, sand from Arafah, and they bring it back and put it in their home. They say barakah. The soil has barakah in it. But the baraka, you cannot move it from one place to another place. Arafa has barakah in it. Your house with the sand of Arafah does not have barakah in it. So this is the topic, but we'll start with it straight after the prayer, insha'Allah. <coughs> Alhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah So we were talking about this section at tabarruk bil ashjar wal ahjar wal athar that you take the blessings from the trees and the stones and the the, the leftovers the barakah that they seek from those things what tabarruk ma'nahu talab al baraka and seeking blessing what it means is that you Seek the blessings and you hope for them and you believe in them to come from those things That you seek the blessings and hope for them and believe in them that they are going to come from a tree or a rock or a stone And of course, we know there is no barakah that comes to you from a tree or a rock or a stone. Barakah isn't from those things. So if you try and seek barakah from a rock or a stone, or even like we said, people they cut the black cloth off the Kaaba when they go a small piece of it, and they think this is going to give them barakah. There's no barakah like that. There is no barakah on the cloth that you steal from the Kaaba. There's going to be sin. You'll get sin for it. You won't get barakah for it. So here, hukmuhu annahu shirkun akbar, and the ruling of this type of barakah or trying to seek this type of barakah is that it is major shirk, لأنه تعلق على غير الله سبحانه أو تعلق على غير الله سبحانه في حصول البركة. Because the person is attaching and clinging himself to other than Allah to receive barakah. If you're trying to receive barakah from other than Allah, you think there's barakah when the imam comes and wipes you or something? You think there's barakah when you touch the black cloth of the Kaaba? Only in certain sides, you've been told to touch the Kaaba and to kiss the stone, etc. The rest of the sides of the Kaaba, you can't steal the cloth. There's no barakah in that. Or they get soil from there and bring it back home, and they say there's barakah. This soil came from over there. There's no barakah like that. And a person who's seeking that type of barakah, then it's shirk. There is a hadith of Abu Waqidan al Layfi: "Qaal خرجنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى حنين ونحن حدثاء يعكفون عندها وينوطون بها أصلحتهم يقال لها ذات أنواط فمررنا بصدره فقلنا يا رسول الله اجعل لنا ذات أنواط كما لهم ذات أنواط فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله أكبر إنها السنن قلتم والذي نفسي بيده كما قالت بنو إسرائيل لموسى اجعل لنا الهًا كما لهم آله قال إنكم قوم تجهلون لا تركبن سنن من كان قبلكم رواه الترمذي وصححها There is a hadith of Abu Waqid Al-Laythi he said we went out with the messenger of Allah to hunain And at the time, he said, we were very new to Islam. (laughs) That we had just left kufr. We had just become Muslims at the time. And he said, the mushrikoon, they used to have a particular tree. That they used to hang their weapons from. And they used to sit there and do i'tikaf there. Meaning, stay there for a long time and sit there. Believing that there was barakah from these particular trees that they had. And that was known as dhaatu anwat. This particular tree that the mushrikeen used to sit at and hang their weapons from, seeking barakah. So he said, We walked past one of those particular trees. And we said, O messenger of Allah, make for us a dhaatu anwat, like they have a dhaatu anwat meaning give us a tree, make for us a tree, designate for us a tree that we can sit at and get barakah and that we can put our weapons on and get barakah. Designate a tree for us to do that. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ, صلى الله عليه وسلم, And so the messenger of Allah said to them that Allahu Akbar, he said Allahu Akbar, and this is at the shock and the amazement or the surprise at what they've said. Innahassunan, that this is the, the pathway of the people that they cross upon and they all go upon. You have said, by the one whom my soul is in his hand, just as Bani Israel said to Musa, make for us a god just like they have gods. He said to them, Indeed, you are a people who do not know. You will indeed tread upon the ways of those who came before you. You will tread upon the ways of those who came before you. So at the time of Musa alayhi when Banu Israel had been saved and crossed over the water, they came across the mushrikun worshipping different deities and they said to musa make for us these different gods as they've got all these different gods so musa said to them you're a people who do not know clearly that is shirk and the prophet is telling them similarly that you do not know because they were new to islam yet and they didn't know they were asking they were just inquiring, can we have a tree that we can hang our weapons from? They were only inquiring. They didn't believe in that. They didn't have the aqidah in that. They weren't saying we want it. They were inquiring, can you make us a tree as well, like that, that we can hang our weapons on and we can get barakah from? And so the Prophet ﷺ explained to them in this manner that it is not correct. And that you're going to tread upon the ways of those who came before you. So the point of this section is that it is impermissible to seek baraka in these ways. From the stones or the rocks or the trees or stealing the cloth from the Kaaba or the dust from the ground. Or as we mentioned here, they take the wudu water from their imam. And they say this wudu water will give you barakah. This is not like the wudu water of the Prophet ﷺ and the miracles that happened then. This is exaggeration, this is shirk what they are doing, claiming barakah from these things. Some of them they go to such an extreme that if a a couple cannot have children, they go to the imam and the imam wipes them and they say that will give you barakah, you'll be able to have children now. All of this is misguidance. The Prophet ﷺ never taught us any of these things, never taught us to go and seek barakah like this. They go to the graves of the dead people and they believe there will be barakah from those graves coming to them, barakah from those pious people coming from them. There is no barakah in this way. The barakah, that blessing, it comes to you through your obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more you practice, the more you obey Allah. You fulfill all of the commandments, you pray. You do all of that which Allah commanded us with. And you stay away from what Allah prohibited us from. That's what will bring you barakah in your lives. That's what will bring you the blessings in your lives. So these are three categories so far. Three categories of shirk which... Opposed Tawheed Tawheed you remember we said it is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone To single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone Not to put your trust in dead people or the Imam or this person or that person Not to go and seek barakah from all these other things But you seek your barakah from Allah you put your trust in Allah And as for these types of things, wearing amulets and lucky charms, believing they will keep away the harm from you, or that they will bring good to you, then this is all haram and it is acts of shirk. This is all haram to put your trust into lucky charms and amulets and pendants and bracelets. All of this is impermissible. And it can be major shirk if you believe that these charms in of themselves have ability. If you believe it is Allah who has the power, but these charms are a means, that is minor shirk. But if you believe they themselves have the power and the ability, then it's major shirk. And that's what was meant before, that it can be minor shirk, it is minor shirk, but can become major shirk. If you have the aqeedah which necessitates major shirk. That's the chapter we'll end on, because the next chapter is magic, and that takes a bit more time. We'll talk all about magic next week. Magic, and what's the rulings on magic? Are we allowed to do magic as Muslims? What's the ruling on the magicians? What about fortune tellers? What about star signs? What about the crystal ball, the tarot cards, the palm reading? All of these things that they do. The Sahara and the Kuhan and all of these types of people. That's the topic we're going to begin with next week at 7 p.m. insha'Allah. Any questions up to there on anything? You know those bands that they give you and they say that it helps with arthritis and other types of things as well. You have to prove that the bands have an effect you have to prove that something is a sabab. if you can prove it with tejrubah, with experience or with practice or trial if it's proven then it's a different issue if it's not proven there's no proper medical scientific research into that and actual real cases of people using it and becoming cured If that doesn't really exist, then it's impermissible. Then it comes into this category. If it is proven as a medical thing, then okay. But if it's not, then it's in this category as a whole. And right now, as far as I know, it's not proven and medical and agreed and all the scientific and everything. It's not like that. So right now, as far as I know, the ruling on those bands and everything is not permissible. Anything else? Similar situation yeah similar situation that they were with Musa alayhi salam they crossed over after they were saved from Fir'aun and so it was upon not knowing that's why Musa alayhi salam said to them that you do not know It wasn't that they were seeking shirk of course it was the similar kind of situation He doesn't have to turn immediately. It's not absolutely immediately. He can do some of his opening dhikr and then turn around. It's not a necessity. It has to be immediately that he finishes salam and turns straight around. Not immediately. He doesn't have to be. He can do his opening dhikr and then turn around. It's mentioned. That's what they mentioned in the books of fiqh. From the books of fiqh and the, the, the example of the Prophet Wasallam. From the example of the prayer and the, what was witnessed they mention it is not an obligation as a necessity that the imam has to immediately turn around there are some uh, narrations about you should not leave until the imam turns around for example which indicates that the imam should turn around fairly quickly the imam shouldn't just sit there facing forwards and stay there and stay there you should turn around reasonably quickly but it doesn't necessitate that it's a mistake if you don't, as soon as you give the second Salaam, instantly turn around. Hmm? Hmm? That's a bit of time, yeah. yeah. I, uh, that I, don't, I don't know that the Imam has to stay for that type of thing. All I've heard from the scholars when they used to mention it is he can do his opening little bit of dhikr. He can do his opening little bit of dhikr and then turn around. But not to stay there. I mean, that's going to be a long time then. To stay a long time because there's another narration about you shouldn't leave until the imam turns around. If the imam doesn't turn around, it's causing you a problem as well then. So they say you should turn around fairly quickly. You can do a little bit of dhikr and then turn around. Maybe just the opening dhikr, a small amount, and then turn around. And if you turn around straight away, no problem with that. But it's not an obligation that immediately has to be. No, because then you put all of the narrations together, when you put all of the narrations together for it, then you can see that this perhaps is an exception in the situation of the imam there, he can read it when he turns around, because of the other narrations about not making it difficult upon the jama'ah, and they have to wait for you to turn around. So when you put it all together, then it would not be a contradiction. Mm. There is a narration. But the strongest narrations and the correct narrations are about putting the hands on the chest. That one, many of the scholars mention it to be weak. And it is not as strong as the narrations about the chest. What is correct is you put them on the chest. Yeah, in Abu Dawood, mentioned, yeah. Mm. Mm, there is. But uh, that's not really our topic today. Like the companions, they used to seek tabarruk from... The Prophet, there is Tabarruk now uh, in certain times and locations. Certain times have barakah in them, and certain places have barakah in them. Arafah has barakah in it. Those places have barakah. Doesn't mean, though, that you wipe and you get the soil and do things like that. That's not the meaning of the barakah there. Barakah there in those places that it's a place of blessing. So do your worship there, make your du'a there, there's barakah in this place. Makkah as well, generally barakah in that place. Doesn't mean you start wiping the streets or anything. Just means barakah in this place, you do your worship, you do your du'a, inshallah ta'ala, more chance of acceptance, those things. That's the type of barakah in those locations. They do what? Mashallah, good, they're cleaning the mustard, get real wood, huh? (laughs) They're seeking barakah from the pillars of the masjid. This is imper- impermissible to go to the masjid of the Prophet or to haram and to take your clothes and get your scarf and wipe it on the mosque, on the pillar, on the door, and say, "This is barakah now. In this, I'm not going to wash it or something." It's a haram. It's impermissible. This is from the misguidance of the people. Tasbih. So, can you use? What do you call it in English? Is there a word for in English? Beads, like beads. Huh? Worry, like when you're worried. Worry beads. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Okay, worry beads. I didn't know. Worry beads. You know, the, the after the prayer when you count on the necklace with the beads on it. Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Subhanallah. You count. Is that permissible to use those or not? There's an opinion. Everything the uh? The sunnah is what the sunnah is to use your hands, so it's not permissible to use that. The sunnah is to use your hands. Uh, that's how we've been taught in the sunnah. That is only if there is some necessity. Like a Sheikh Al Fawzan said, imagine somebody is very old and they have a problem. With, they can't with their fingers. They can't remember. They get mixed up all the time. It's too difficult. So they can use that because it has ninety nine or whatever on it and then you know exactly where you are. The sheikh said, maybe somebody very old has a problem with fingers, he cannot remember nothing, he could maybe use it. But everybody else, not permissible. Everybody else, why are you using it? Use your fingers, as the Sunnah says, count on your fingers, one, two, three, four, five, count on your fingers. So normally it's not permissible. Only if there's some need, somebody elderly age, can't remember, they can use that thing. But now, like you said, they have the click, or you press the click button, but you know, like the scholars, they said, people, they use these things and they are they're going against the sunnah and they're not even using them properly. Some people, now you see them, they're sitting there and they're doing it. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. They're doing it, right? They're sitting there doing it. And then somebody walks in, gives them salam. how are you doing everything? And then they're still carrying, a, alaikum salam, and they're still moving their finger on it. How are you counting anything when you're talking to the person now? You're How are you doing? How's everything? How's your kids? And you're still doing the fingers. You're obviously not counting anything. You're talking to the person, you're asking how his kids are, how this is, how that is. So what's this? Is it nothing? It's just a habit. It's like just a habit, just a movement that you're doing with your fingers. Not even counting anything, not even know what you're saying. That's why it's not right. When you do the dhikr, you do it on your fingers as the Prophet used to do it on his fingers. We have to stop there. Inshallah, next week 7 p.m. we'll carry on with the topic of magic.